Hello and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name's Hussein. Uh, house is kind of cold today. Uh, I'm wearing, yeah, but I, I'm wearing like a nice pair of socks. That's all you need to know about me today. My name is Phoebe. I am very happy that February is over. February is a bullshit month. And um, I am actually in the process of, I'm taking some meetings. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get rid of it. Well, get, you know what? Okay, so you're sort of the opposite. I, I don't know like the full story behind this, but I went to the Greenwich Observatory uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was reading in the little museum that they have there um, that there was a group of people in like, I think the sort of 18th century that wanted to institute a 13th month and they were considered Satanists. Like they were, they were considered to be like um, Satanists or sort of adjacent to them. Like it was a deeply sort of like anti-Christian thing apparently to try and institute a 13th month. And there's like a lot of deep suspicion around that and just like suspicion around this kind of set of people that desperately wanted to like change the year. Um, so I, I don't know, are you, are you sort of the opposite of that? You want like 11 months instead? Ideally, ideally I would like 10 months as we're supposed to have. Um, what? Are you supposed to have 10? We're supposed to, we're supposed to, have, to, we're supposed to have 10 months. I, I, I don't really, I don't really buy this. This twelve months. So you, you want to switch to metric time? Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, it it makes it makes sense. You got your tens, you got your hundreds, you got your thousands. Uh, December is no longer confusing. Um, from an mm. etymological point of view, mm. I find every Feb, time yeah. it's December, it's like December. That's the tenth month. November, you got your ninth month. October, eighth month. Do you see where I'm going with this? I see. The, okay. All right. Phoebe, what's the other month you eliminate though in this system? One gotta go. Mm, I'm not so keen on November. Okay, so I can, take or, I can take or leave November. Okay, you're going back in time to ensure that I was never born. <laughs> no, no, you still oh, get your oh, you still oh. get your birthday. Mm -hmm. You either just have it on the same day that it always was. It's just called a different month, or you get to choose a new birthday whenever you want, like like the Queen. So the Queen chooses her birthday. The Queen had. The queen, God rest her, had two birthdays, one which was her actual birthday, and the one and the other one which was her official birthday, which is when she chose. All right. <laughs> well, you, could have, you, could have, you could have like a saint's day, like kind of Greek Orthodox people have. We could also do the. I mean, and the Hebrew Catholics, you know, I think, have that as well. Yeah, the Hebrew calendar has a leap month, if I recall correctly. Yep. Every couple of years, there's a thirteenth month. We could just add in. Ooh. I mean, I did. I did suggest that we uh, use not just the Hebrew calendar, but also the Hebrew year um, year convention. I got to tell you, it did not have broad popularity doing that. Yeah. It, it sounds go, cooler it that it's like fifty eight hundred, right? Like yeah, it, it, but it, but honestly, uh, the meeting I took there was there was a lot of hostility yeah. and a lot of a lot of well, like look. No one, no one loves this stuff more than me. I've seen every episode of Curb. I just think this is just going a bit, a bit far. So yeah. could we maybe think about reviving your earlier suggestion? Um, you know, the one that, you, you know, the one that uh, we have the, the training order out against you over the, the return to the Julian calendar. Um, could we, we could go back to that because we know what you think about Pope Gregory um a pretender false pope um is in hell so hmm. um we have we we have a guest who is the third voice that you can that you can hear 
Um, Matty Lipchansky, returning hey champion. It's me. Writer, artist, generally excellent person. Yeah, forthcoming uh, creator, I mean, artist and writer of uh, Boys Weekend, which is out in June this year. Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, I will like keep it. Uh, I, when I read it, I will keep it under my jacket because in this country, uh, you're not allowed to have a Boys Weekend anymore. Um, and oh, they it took is, that away. Yeah, they took it away alongside mm-hmm. a lot of other things. So if you, if you get seen like promoting the idea of having a Boys Weekend, like you will get arrested. With my new calendar, um, I will make <laughs> I, I will make boys' weekends um, uh, mandatory, mandatory public holidays. Okay, this is well. This That's is kind of what yeah. the book is about. Honestly, is a <laughs> sort of mandatory boys' weekend. Yeah. Well, look, the Labour Party in the UK are like you know they you know they're coming up to an election, and I'm pretty sure they're looking for some new policies, some radical policies that can change society without like costing too much perhaps you should suggest the idea of getting rid of two months and making like boys weekend mandatory Mm. what if okay now here what if we get rid of three months but put one back in to get us back to 10 and it was sort of a boy a boy's month Mm. like a boy vember boy boy tober (laughs) boy tober yeah okay well i'll I'll definitely i'll add it to the list of suggestions for sure but the main thing is that this uh this cold gray uh mini month i'm just i'm just yeah. sick i'm quite sick. sunny here right now i'm actually. sick and tired no i'm sick and tired of it i have had i have seen many february's and i am here to say that it is time to put a stop to it there's, yeah there's never really been a good one i think i don't know like it can be very humbling in some ways in the sense that like whenever i go to the gym now it's so, like you can see how few, how like much few, or how few people there are during those peak periods when compared to last month. Um, but also just like, I think about how many of the resolutions that I have simply just stopped doing out of a sense of exhaustion. And I think February is a good way of sort of like, you know, people recognizing that, you know, all the optimism you had about being a different person in January, well, that's all bullshit. You're going to stay exactly the way that you are. Well, Okay, first of all, I've kept to all my New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah, me, I'm actually doing. I'm actually so, doing really good on oh, mine. Okay, so, okay, so you, so you both news. are doing great. Okay, all right. Bad, yeah. bad news on that front. And second, I don't want to be humbled. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds yeah, I'm awful. Yeah. I don't. Okay, I, well, you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't mind being humbled before God. I'm not being humbled before like people who claim they like February. Hey, Fair do enough. you think there's anyone listening in the Southern Hemisphere like getting so mad right now? <laughs> oh, February, yeah. February's no, great. I'm, I'm on oh, the no, beach. No, 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 no. There de- definitely are. And I've got a bone <laughs> to pick with them as well. Okay. While, while, while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are like yeah, lots of what? Orthodox Christians who have just celebrated Christmas. And so like, I imagine they're probably having like a pretty good time right now. <laughs> that's, like... that's, that's January the 7th. So okay, not yeah, really. Right. Like, Wait, can I, there. what about uh, Mardi Gras, which is offered in February? Oh yeah, that's a good point. What about Carnival? Yeah, Maybe. although you can still have it. I'm not getting rid of the stuff that happens in February. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep Valentine's Day while we're at it. Okay, mm. Mm. just the month, the month itself. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. I, I, I'm actually down with that. I think that's, I think actually that's quite a good idea. No. I would, yeah, I'm not trying to be contrarian. I was just doing my due diligence, but now. No, I'm no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. No, no, it's really important that you ask me these, <laughs> these questions so that I can best defend my, um, my positions. 
<laughs> and, and speaking of peerless defense of one's positions. Mm, and contrarian yes, for that matter. Yes. Incredible um, segue. I'm not being a contrarian. I just want a calendar that's named after me. That's. Oh, I didn't say that bit at the start, did I? That I want it to be named after me. Yeah, it's going to be named after me. Hey, it's wait. Be, it's be I have a compromise. Calendar. Yeah. I have a compromise. Yeah, we yeah, we keep February. We keep mm-hmm. it. We mm-hmm. name it February. Ooh. Ooh. I was just thinking that we are we have been talking a little bit about merchandise this year. <laughs> and I've been like, we've been trying to figure out what merchandise would be good for us. And maybe like yeah. a 10K post calendar, but it's like <laughs> completely useless in practical situations might actually be quite good. Like the like the days are like massive, but like the note section is just is tiny. It's absolutely <laughs> tiny. <laughs> yeah, there's like just months missing and like some days missing because you just don't like specific numbers. Yeah, a completely useless yeah. calendar. Uh could every actually be single very good. one, every single like cursed day is missing from the 10K <laughs> calendar. <laughs> Get okay. rid of them. Like, right. okay, okay, for a kickoff, for a kickoff, there are so many yeah. cursed days in February. I'm not keen on February the ninth. Not keen on it. Don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Um, February the. Fe- I'm not that keen on February the twenty eighth. I had a good February the twenty eighth yesterday, but I'm not. I'm not happy about it. Right. I could easily see it go February the twenty fourth. Yeah. Um. No. Yeah. The twenty ninth okay. every year. You get it. It's yeah. back. It's yeah. back. Yeah. It's staying. It's, it's back, baby. We might have to steal a, a day from another month, but like, quite frankly, I feel like. I feel like March is looking a little bit pleased with itself with its 31. <laughs> it's coasting by and not being February. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're still going to have the first of March because you don't want to get rid of St. David's day. God, it's a minefield. No wonder, no wonder Pope Gregory was under the cosh <laughs> with, his new, with, his, with his new calendar. Um, but that's what happens when you have been placed uh, falsely on the papal throne um, but by Satan, that's what that's what happens. <laughs> Inevitably, you get tasked with an impossible, with an impossible task that will make you run mad. And I know that, like, the answer to this is, yeah, but it it worked, didn't it? Like, the Gregorian calendar is the one we still use. Yeah, yeah, for now. For now is my is my answer to that. Uh, yeah, shall we talk about? This is not even one post to open. It is a string of posts it is a string yeah. of incidents i'm so excited to, t- <laughs> to talk to i feel talk like so last it. time last time matty came on i think we also talked about scott adams right because we were talking about the dilbert castle yeah, yeah. because <clears throat> matty is our, is also i forgot to say is also our scott adams correspondent <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to go on any any podcast or even have a conversation with anyone a loved one my grandmother uh anyone without talking about uh, my good friend scott adams yeah so what's he, cause, so I've been like kind of not, I sort of noticed some of it, but I didn't realize the full extent to which Scott Adams was having quote a normal one. Um, so yeah. Do you want to tell, do you, like Phoebe, do you want to like tell us what Scott Adams has been up to and what he's been doing and uh, why he's been doing it? Maybe if you, if okay. you want to I'll see, yeah. figure that out. I'll see, I'll see what I can do. So so as far as I can tell, this is the thing. This is one of these. This is one of these wonderful situations where, um, where you are only aware of the kind of the after effects and the tremors. Like it's like it's like you know, like you know, like a, a like a, a tsunami often happens in the aftermath of an earthquake. 
so it's like you see you you see the the water approaching your house it's about to come in through the through the window and you're like but i didn't even know about the earthquake this is a complete surprise so the earthquake appears to be uh scott adams creator of the little guy in his office cubicle comic that's what he does he draws a little guy and he puts him in a cubicle and he okay, has let's not insult the concept of drawing a little guy for a living because <laughs> not, it's a, it's nothing a wrong with drawing a little time. guy for a living it's a totally valid way to to earn to earn a living and i would um and i would point out that uh, uh one of the ways in which i earn my living uh was uh yesterday uh do a live show about the film B movie for which mm. I had to think of some B related puns for the name Milo Edwards. So like I am in absolutely no position to have a pop at what other people. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's fucking impossible. <laughs> you can come back to us on that one, but it's, it's okay. not easy. It's not an easy one. Yeah. I'm done for the episode. Yeah, okay. We're done, done for that. Just, just, yeah. just, you know, just thinking. Uh, yeah, so um, nothing wrong whatsoever with drawing little guys. Um, it's just the uh, the the wholesomeness of the little guy in his office cubicle, um, negotiating with the cut with with the with the final pieces of glittering debris of the American dream, <laughs> and being the kind of person that Scott Adams is is just mm. a very very funny confluence of things it's very funny to be that particular type of guy and then for him to like go back into the room and be like time for me to draw some more little guys like that's like that to me is funny that's like that's like if the guy who like voiced bagpuss was also friends with oswald mosley that it, like like that <laughs> um okay to be very very clear that was just the first exa- first example that I thought of, and it's because it's the most unlikely example. Because as far as I am aware, the guy who voiced Bagpuss was a very very nice guy. So, so that's Bag not Puss? Bagpuss. Bag oh my Puss. god, mm. Bagpuss! Are you Bag not familiar? Are you not familiar with Bagpuss? No, I think he's been hemmed in by the sort of ge- geographic constraints of the island that you live on. Uh, <laughs> okay, they, okay. they kept oh him god. from leaving. Oh, Bag I'm so Puss. excited to be able to tell you about Bagpuss. Bagpuss is a um. He is a puppet cat. He is pink and yellow striped. And he, well, it, I was going to say like he talks like Tom Hardy's Bane, but actually Tom Hardy's Bane talks like Bagpuss. <laughs> and he was, a, he was a kind of much, much loved, oh. like 60s and 70s, um, I think. Yeah, this, this is the most run over looking puppet I've ever seen in my entire life. I love this. But yeah. And he no, was great. This, it's good he, yeah, he's 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 lovely, and he talks like this. Hello, I am Bagpuss, like Bane, or rather, again, <laughs> to be clear, yeah, there, there he there he's he is. Celebrating his fortieth birthday in this photo with some cake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so nice. And yeah, the guy who wrote him is meant to who wrote him created him, and also the guy who voiced him was supposed to be exceptionally nice people. Hence the example right. of how unlikely it would have been for them to have been friends with the former leader of the British Union of Fascists, Oswald Mosley. I'm really, really glad I had to explain that entire uh, offhand, <laughs> offhand remark. Or, That's what that was supposed to be. Yeah, what, I for, think for, for querying Bagpuss. Don't query Bagpuss on our show. 
Sorry. I, I will say in Scott Adams's case, it's a very interesting case because he was always, if you go and read his books from the nineties where he's got like his little thoughts in the marginalia of his comics, uh, which mm-hmm. I have reread them as an adult. Cause I found them in my parents' house because I was obsessed with Dilbert as a, a, a child for some reason. Mm. Um, he was always kind of like this, but he was ah. ranting about PC culture and like ugly feminists and shit. But he was um, doing all sort of like very acceptable, very acceptable uh, sort of bigotries for the 90s in America, right, at least, yeah. where it was like very like, oh, you can like you can introduce a character that's like a feminist and she's got a nose ring and she's unfuckable. So she's valueless. Like it was very like I'm being a, a dickhead in 1997 in a way that's very acceptable and also like very zeitgeisty. This sounds um, like left wing men in 2023. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Zing. Yeah, uh, take DSA that. speed daters. I no, I um, <laughs> but like, <laughs> what's it called? Oh, but you what know, an, like, what an, what, an, what an incredible sideswipe, <laughs> catching <laughs> catching strays. There. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, sorry, I, buddy. No, DSA is fine. Uh, but um, <laughs> I'm off topic. Oh, but what I was, you know, the thing, but it was this interesting stuff where he was also complaining about like. Oh, they made me introduce a non-white character when he when he put in an, an Indian gentleman named Ashok um, in mm-hmm. the '90s as well, uh, and and his his book is just full of all these like little grumpy man complaints about you know the what what today is so easily you know like the woke mob or or whatever you want to call it, but it was very acceptable at the time to be like anti PC as it were, uh, and I think what just happened was he at least at the time had a handle on like the drudgery of office work is bad. And people really yeah. latched onto that. Cause yeah, it does suck shit. Um, yeah. as someone who had a cubicle engineering job for a while, like it sucks and you want to kill yourself all the time. And it got to that pretty good. Cause he was just a guy that had a job. Um, but as he got further away from that and he got, he got richer and richer, uh, he was just allowed to not have any problems anymore. So we just start making up problems like say, um, the woke mob has come for me. Uh, and then, you know, Hillary Clinton is uh, gang stalking me, whatever he wants to come up with. Um, but I think it's just interesting that like as he lost his sort of like connection to the real world, just the rest of him was allowed to sort of come out. And even the strip starts just becoming about his petty little grievances. That's that. See, that's interesting because like, because as far the as boss I'm... becomes very sympathetic in the later in the later strips, which is crazy. <laughs> Union busting with Dilbert. Yeah, that's funny. That's very funny. Um, well, I mean, I'm I was I was told that the orders to put in some non-white characters into Dilbert came from properly from the higher ups, from Clinton herself. That's like a that's a that's a trickle down. Yeah. Like she, like she, she kind of held off Libya for like a day yeah. just to. She landed just, Marine One on his house, the helicopter, <laughs> and. <laughs> She repelled, <laughs> like, kind of jump, like, uh, jumped out, kind of holding her hair to like, yeah, sort of holding her jacket to her body so it's not getting caught in the rope, in the kind of rotator blade. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, no, that, 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 that sounds right. So, what he's been up to the earthquake, the earthquake that has um, occurred is, and I haven't, I've got to be honest with you, I've not watched this video because I quite honestly, any people can say, Oh, no, no, but you're not aware of the context. But I, I, I don't know. It's one of these things where I feel like the context is not really going to be that illuminating. Uh, mm. He uh, recorded a video, uh, I, th- I think, arguing for resegregation. That's right. Okay. Um, All right. So, I mean, you know what? 
that's a strong position. It's not mm. a popular one. But as somebody who has um, been trying to uh, get rid of the Gregorian calendar and replace it with an own with a calendar, a different calendar, a new one, a better one, um, but possibly a madder one of, of her own design, I, I know what it's like for the, you know, for the cackling masses to look down on you and your and and your efforts so um i respect i respect a strong stance even though you know that it won't be won't be won't be very popular um so he did so he did that and then he has since then um he has been uh, he has been trying very valiantly um to repair the damage that has been done uh, not to anyone else but to his publishing deals as far as i can tell he's been yeah. trying very valiantly to do that and he's been doing that in the um in the best way he knows how and that is through the medium of posting uh, mm. which has never gone badly for anyone i do realize that we ha- we are sort of a bit breaking um breaking the rule um of not really talking about like one individual poster too much because it's interesting more interesting to think about you know sort of trends and so on and so forth however every so often I feel in this instance you have every so often you have a figure that just that shows up and you're like no 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 no. like we gotta talk about we gotta talk about this guy he's like a you know he's like the richard duke duke of gloucester (laughs) that's that's what he what he is to me I think it's interesting also you mentioned the the context or whatever, because the context was also him bringing up some poll by a notorious far right polling operation called Rasmussen. Mm. It does like like it's like one of the, you know, one of the ones they have to adjust by like 10 points when they do presidential polls. Uh, and it was like, are you OK with is it OK to be white was the question that they asked. Uh, and, and according to the poll, which uh, I saw the numbers add up to more than 100 percent, which is how, yeah, you know, it's a good poll. <laughs> uh that it was like over half of black people said no which mm-hmm. if a pollster calls you on the phone and says is it okay to be white do you really think about is too hard <laughs> but all <laughs> but he cites his poll saying then being black is a hate group is 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 it's as evidence is this one poll okay great so he's great. like that, get that, away again, from if you're white again, it's, a strong, goes, it's a strong position strong position yeah i'm not he saying, it's, it's, that it, not saying he, it's a good position but it is a strong one he then cites that he himself moved to a white neighborhood mm-hmm. for this reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what? What was the reason? Because uh, be, because of because uh, according to him, all black people are a hate group, mm-hmm. and this uh, shockingly uh, made the syndicates drop him in every, every all the newspapers that carried him in America. Extraordinary. I don't know why. It seems like no. he's just citing this one poll and, and drawing surprised. a normal conclusion from it. I'm yeah. sort of more surprised that. Newspapers still carry Dilbert, and I know that's like, <laughs> like, and I guess I suppose the reason I sort of say that is just because, like, I guess in the UK, I don't know if we ever had comic. Like, the only comic I know that was in a newspaper, which I think is still ongoing, was that very weird kind of comic in the Sun newspaper, where it was just like, kind of, it, it was they just used stock images of models, and like they were always having affairs with each other, and it was all just very weird. And then obviously we have like the political cartoonist, but yeah. 
um, yeah, I guess like, I, I wasn't, I, I knew that like, obviously comics, like syndicated comics were like a big thing in America and they're like, that has diminished quite a lot. I just sort yeah, of assumed there's... that Dilbert was so big in and of itself that Scott was just sort of putting out books maybe and like his own kind of weird stuff on his website. Yeah. So the way that, I mean, in a, in a civilized uh, developed country like America, what we have in the newspaper, there's like a single page, just all comics. Uh, it used to be more <laughs> and there's less. And the thing is like, there hasn't been a new syndicated cartoonist in the newspaper. I mean, not like widely distributed for a long time. And every so often they'll, they'll put someone new in. Uh, like I know a couple of younger cartoonists now have syndicated strips, but they're mostly syndicated online. Unlike the Andrews McNeil or universal, whatever, uh, like on their syndication, like on their page, mm. uh, which is still pretty, pretty popular. People read comics in the newspaper a lot. It's how a lot of older people still read comics. Uh, it's not insignificant that it was, it was still pretty popular. I think according to most people who are not online watching uh, Scott Adams light his own uh, head on fire every day for the last 10 years. Mm, that's why he has no hair. That's why he's got no hair. So that's like, I think that's, I think that's a kind of good place to, get into the webcomic discussion because like i feel like we could we could basically spend the entire recording time just reading out um reading out scott adams yeah tweets, which i'd honestly I've, I've got i've got to do one of them one of There's them one that's really good yeah do one, one I've, and got then I've, got, do. I've got like something quick i mean not i don't even know if i'll say it but like yeah please read out at least one okay. scott adams tweet for for, for us well, so one of his things is that he's been saying stuff like the thing is, is that everyone agrees with me, but um, they're too scared to say so, which is which is, a, you know, a kind of pretty standard standard observation. Um, but when people have been responding and saying, well, I don't agree with you, um, <laughs> he has said he has said something along the lines of, uh, well, this is irrelevant because your opinion is assigned to you by the media, which you've got to say is a new thing. No one said that before. People say people agree with me but they're too scared to say but no one has mm. to my knowledge said before yeah well your opinion about me is assigned to you by the media so presumably he thinks that people who like him have also had their opinion assigned by the media just not hostile media which i'm interested in so matty there's an important thing here about the scott adams worldview of which i am mm. deeply versed in uh as a longtime Adams watcher and also reader of his book, Win Bigly, which I, I read the entirety of once, uh, which is one of his many, many books about uh, the art of persuasion. He's obsessed with it, with mm -hmm. like the power of the human mind to persuade other people to do things. And he thinks that he is a master of it. He thinks mm -hmm. that Donald Trump is a master of it. Uh, he, but he's mm -hmm. got this very specific worldview where people think things that they are told by persuasion masters that are sort of like sit atop our society of which mm. he is one of the the high priests of persuasion or whatever like he's the the wizard of reason um and so i i think it makes sense in his worldview that everybody is just sort of like the people that don't have a good opinion of him have been listening to the newspapers who are persuading people parentheses bad but they should be instead reading my posts which will then persuade you parentheses good you should mm. be you should be reading the Scott Adams Gazette, which is a yeah. self-published newspaper, um, mm -hmm. which he prints up in his house and then stands out front distributing it. Um, it's crazy. He bikes around the entire country every day distributing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Santa. Uh, Claus. Like Santa. <laughs> 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 but unlike Santa, 
who has who's a who's got a really really strong union agreement. So that's why he only works one day a year. Sandy's got but a no show job because he's, he's got, mobbed yeah, up. He's, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Scott Adams has been union busted. It's very sad. It's very sad to see. <laughs> okay, um, hurt people hurt people, you know. Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Bullies are just lashing out. They're just lashing out because they're so sad. Um, <laughs> all right. So, I would like to read. I would like to read two two of uh, of the big man's posts. Um. He's saying, "What are you going to say?" I've, 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 I've no. I mean, I, my, my just <laughs> No, no. I, I just want to hear the Scott Adams post now. Let's go. Okay. Uh, let's let's go do that. Right. Let's get let's let's get into it. <clears throat> I've lost three careers to direct racism so far. Okay. Um. I'm gonna just just drop in my own observations just after, <laughs> after, after each after each one of his. Um. It's unclear what he means by direct racism or whether he means like the difference between like a macro and a microaggression which i'd be very very i would be very very entertained if he used the kind of semi academicized language of anti-racism that to me would be very funny if he was if he was doing that but um i don't know if he is direct racism whether he means like whether he means like topical racism racism that's been applied uh you know sort of aimed at aimed at him okay uh Crocker Bank, um, which I assume is, which I assume is just a, a regular bank, but I don't know. I, I've never I'm heard. Of Crocker, I've never heard of Crocker Bank. This sounds like this sounds like a Kramer business idea. Yeah. It sounds like a joke about a lawyer, like Crocker shit, and some, yeah. and so and so attorneys yeah, at law does. from like a bad old sitcom. Yeah, or for, for that matter, from like a newspaper comic, a bit. Um. Uh, Pacific Bell and cartooning. All three were perpetrated by white people for their own gain. No black person has ever discriminated against me. Great. Um, okay. apart, apart from, apart from, according to you, as a member all of all black hate, people, according to him, all black all. people, mm-hmm. all, so or over not, half, yes. So not just no, but a, a huge number. <sighs> You could guess for a million billion years and you will never guess what the final sentence of this post is. Hussein, are you ready? I'm very ready for us. You're ready. He's taking notes. I am taking notes, actually, genuinely. That's partly why I identified as black for several years. (laughs) I want the the word partly is load-bearing in a way that I need to... Wait, I need to understand. Mm. Okay, does he elaborate on how he how he identified as black? Like, is it one of those things where so you so, you sort of see on the news you, like you, you news articles? You can't sometimes. see us, but we are shaking our heads. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because, yeah, shaking your heads because you disagree with it. No, because like you know those stories about people who um who uh you know they'll sort of like change their ang- they'll anglicize their name on like a CV or something and like. You know, they'll get yeah. a job interview and a sort of an indicator of like the sort of inbuilt racism within like institutions and stuff. And is he suggesting that he did that to these jobs that he apparently didn't get? And then he was given them once he sort of made a character that he and I'm I'm trying to be very careful of my words here because it's not the case of like I am like a character that he considers to be African American enough and 
Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't, I genuinely don't know what he means by this. Well, all humanity originated in Africa. So if you're yeah. American, in some ways, <clears throat> surely you are an African. I'm yeah. shaking my head now. I'm making uh, a to, to indicate, yeah. to indicate yeah. that that's a that's a uh, big I think, thumbs, and, and big hitting thumbs the alarm down. saying and, and <laughs> hitting the alarm saying be very careful where you're going. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very much <laughs> just doing the thing. It's like a it's the troll maneuver where he, he yeah. identifies as an attack helicopter or whatever. It's like very. Sort yeah. of just like well, you can't uh, you can't fire me for being white because I identify as black and you say and yeah. you stupid lib when someone says I identify as you have to not you have to listen to what they're saying and you can't argue with it and it's like no one's ever said that about yeah, it's not race. like a, it's not like a kind of magic <laughs> but to be very clear I am not saying that it is fine for anybody American to say that they are African American. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he's holding up a sign saying I'm lying. Yeah, I'm, I am, <laughs> She's holding I'm up. What? Yeah, but the, but it's an audio medium. They can't yeah, see see, my can't, sign. You can't prove it. That's why I'm, can't, I'm they calling can't, you in. About they can't this. see was, my sign. I, I was going to ask about um, so like Scott Adams, from what I remember and what we talked about before, has kind of he's really gone down this very strange trajectory um, that sort of begins with the whole like. Why do I, I, as you mentioned, Massey, like Scott Adams has sort of had a very long history of sort of being uh, reactionary at best and kind of like racist, misogynistic and stuff like there's been a, there's a long documented history of that. Um, but during the whole like Trump thing, like because from what I remember, and I, and I was just looking up as you guys were talking, like whether he's been interviewed on like any of the sort of like big kind of, you know, uh, popular right wing podcasts and stuff. And like what's really interesting is they haven't really sort of talked to him since then. So like the people who have the, the last interview he did, which was actually about his tweets, funnily enough, was with an account called Hotep Jesus, um, which I haven't watched. I'm not going to judge it, but I'm just going to say probably not, probably not good. Um, but the interactions he seems to have are kind of with like these very sort of overtly right wing, right white nationalist accounts. Um, so much so that like, he seems to kind of be operating in a kind of different sphere of the kind of like post-Trump reactionary figures. And I was just wondering, Matthew, like, it, I, I don't know whether you've like paid more attention to exactly where that trajectory has gone, but I'm, I'm curious as to like why you think he's ended up where he is right now. Like what has sort of pushed this guy? Like ultimately all I can think of is like, did, did the breakup with his girlfriend from like a while ago, did that, sort of just really push him over the edge? I truly don't know. So like, <clears throat> so what I remember happening with the, um, with specifically with Trump, was that during the run-up to the 2016 election, like early on, he was like basically saying, uh, I used to be, I'm a Democrat normally, but I hate Hillary Clinton so much. And Trump is a persuasion master that I'm going to, I'm going to go with the winning team or whatever. And, and he, and he was for months like saying like, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I don't know why you're saying I like Trump, blah, blah, blah. And he eventually just like, he posted himself into a corner where he had to basically start being a Trump guy. Uh, um, yeah. And like he was doing a little dance for a long time, uh, pretending like he wasn't uh, a conservative, you know, <laughs> or like that he, it's the sort of thing where there are, uh, in my mind, uh, correct reasons to hate Hillary Clinton, like uh, everything she's ever said or done. And there's an incorrect way to hate her for being a woman, you know, and he clearly does the the second one. Uh, and um, he clearly just sort of at some point uh, ended up with no rhetorical room to maneuver and had to be a big Trump guy. Um, I don't know about him being so someone, you know, we can. We can quibble with the sort of like 
calling someone like divorced as a bad thing, whatever. Uh, but like someone said that to me about Scott Adams and I was like, no, no, he is a different, weirder thing that is orthogonal to the sort of like divorced guy persona. Yeah, I, yeah, which I, is his, I agree. His ex-wife, if you read that Bloomberg interview where it is confirmed that he lives in a house that's shaped like Dilbert, by the way, <laughs> uh, after mentioning that he uh, has three microwaves so he can eat popcorn as much as possible. It is, it is in that article, it is just very offhandedly mentioned that his current assistant is his ex-wife. Oh. It's a Bloomberg interview from like 2018, yeah, what do I, 2019. What do I do with his information? I um, don't know, but he's a, he's a strange guy. Yeah. And he's got a weird, I, I mean, maybe he's a persuasion master and he persuaded his ex-wife into being I, his fucking assistant. I, I kind of, I kind of wonder whether just like the ubiquity of Dilbert and just like the fact that Dilbert won't and can't die sort of means that like he's mm. kind of, I, I don't know how to put this. This is literally just like something I was thinking about right now, but it's like, you know, considering how big a cultural icon Dilbert is and the fact that again, like Dilbert won't die. Is this sort of like, again, this kind of like Christ, like death of the author style crisis. Um, I mean, I don't even know if it's that. I, I think it's more to say, well, he's kind of always going to be attached to like this sort of droning office worker. And so the only thing he can really do to kind of almost separate himself from this kind of creation that he depends on so much so that he has to live inside said creation um, is to just like really go off the rails. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, think it, I think it could be that. I mean, because we've, we've, we've talked about this before about it's not so much a dead author as like a zombie author who <laughs> had like detached themselves from from the work and then kind of emerges from uh from the grave in order to um yeah in order to sort of re sort of retake the retake the 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 intellectual property and retake the kind of the cultural object which they're so mm. completely bound up with there is a really good example of someone doing this and uh we're not going to we're not going to name her because well, I'm sick of talking about her I'm sick of talking about her, and I think that's fine. I just not want to talk about her. I think with old Scott Adams. Oh yes, people. people <laughs> are, with old Scott Adams, I think people, people sort of sort of go to, go to the kind of oh, well, he's just a divorce guy, and I don't care for this for a number of reasons. I just like I'm not that keen on the oh, don't have access to the kids stuff either i think that's i think it's mm, i just i don't i don't i don't care for it as a as a mode of engagement i think it is cheap and nasty and you know and relationships yeah. fail for all for all for all kinds of reasons um it's more interesting that he shot his stepson by accident i think yeah i think it, <laughs> no. i'd be more inclined if i was <laughs> I, if i were to be making um making any kind of broader statements about how he conducts how he conducts his personal relationships and how that reflects on him as a person, um, I'd be more inclined to uh, to dig out the uh, remember when I shot my stepson and I'm glad I did it because he was a drug addict. Um, uh, thread. It's a normal thing to say about um, say about a young person who is in your care. Um, it's a really normal thing to uh, to put on to put on Twitter. This is like one of those things like, you know, I would hesitate 
I would hesitate to tell a therapist this in case they judge me, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to as opposed to just you know. But you know, he's he's um, he's a very open book, and people people say that men should be more forthcoming about talking about their feelings, and they talk about their feelings, and people aren't happy with that either. So this is now the the Scott Adams Defense League. <laughs> um, the official podcast of the thanks for coming on matty i know That's that you right. were specifically wanted to uh to to, to defend, defend Scott on this front That's right. but i'm also not that keen on uh divorced guy energy because i don't think people mean it in a kind of conscious way but it's just a little bit too close to a woman made him like this a little bit too That's close that's true. I mean, there's the there's Just the generous reading, which is like no woman would have put up with this, sort of. But it's also, <laughs> but it's also essentially uh, weird in its own way. Yeah, it's also he was he was normal, and then a woman left him, and now he's like this. Yeah, um, and I, think, I don't I don't care for that either. Yeah, yeah that's I think a, a reasonable position. Uh, I think it's interesting in the the death of the author point where I, I think it's also interesting to frame him as a sort of anti Jim Davis. Um, interesting who's the creator of Garfield a comic mm-hmm. that uh, most cartoonists I know unironically love um, because it was uh, there's some early Garfield that is genuinely weird and fun uh, and but it's this interesting thing where he's the American backpuss he's sort of a, an, um, sorry I, if, for those not <laughs> those listening in England who aren't familiar with Garfield because he's not allowed in England um, because he's too relaxed um, he's sort of an American bagpuss. He's a lazy cat. He loves lasagna. He hates Mondays because the first day that we go to work traditionally here in America. Um, so, oh, but the thing with Jim Davis is Garfield also became massively, massively, massively popular, and is also sort of reverse engineered to be popular, much like Dilbert sort of was. Um, but the difference is Jim Davis eventually, a by all accounts, seems to be like a lovely guy that people have no problem with. Uh, he seems to have no problem with people like. He let that he not only like let that guy make a Garfield minus Garfield book and print it. He like blurbed it. He rules. Anyways, he's fine. But he also like stepped away. And now he I don't think he's even like looked at a Garfield trip in like 10 years. You know, like he's nothing to do with it in terms of its. My understanding is that like it's made by Paws Inc. now, which is like mm. not him, you know, um, like he doesn't draw Garfield every day in a way that Scott Adams seems to be at his tablet every day, pounding Just away like, at his petty mm. little fucking issues. <laughs> Whereas, like, Gar- meanwhile, Garfield is just like other people coming up with jokes, you know. And you can qu- you can quibble with the quality of the jokes. I'm not a daily mm-hmm. Garfield reader at this point in my life, but you know, it's uh, it seems to be like, oh, he's just like I have this machine that prints money, and I'm going to go, um, you know, build a yacht shaped like Garfield and crash it into a yacht shaped like Odie to see what sound it makes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'll do with my time. Much smarter man. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think that that I think that's a re- that's a really good comparison point. Um, who I think he most reminds me of in terms of like a figure, who um, Jim Davis is. I think that's the key. Just yeah. never post. Jim Davis never posted. Mm. Like Garfield posts. Yeah, but Garfield posts things like the Olympics will be on, and he'd be like, "Wouldn't it be cool to ski to some lasagna?" You know, like it's, it's all he's posting. I feel like, yeah, this is also just like a good reflection of posting in and of itself, like as posting as it is at the moment, because it's sort of just like, um, 
I don't know. I think I, I can't remember if we ever talked about this or if we talked about this a long time ago. But it was like this kind of idea that once Elon Musk had sort of taken over Twitter and sort of uh, pulled enough of the levers to uh, tip it all into like the favor of like right wing uh, commentators. So, you know, you could sort of post something about how eugenics is good and get all the thousands of uh, likes that you were denied by like liberal Jack Dorsey. But then what actually happened was that um, the best tweets that you can do are basically like, are, are like the dumbest possible shit. And they're all just like questions like, wouldn't lasagna be good today? Um, and it feels like what we're seeing right now in this war between, um, or this psychological war between uh, Jim Davis and Scott Adams is really a battle over like the future of posting and whether yeah. um, the future of posting is going to be like Scott Adams basically calling for resegregation and uh, <laughs> reinstitution <laughs> and, and, and the revival Davis of the South. Like, will there, will there, <laughs> if we return to the antebellum, <laughs> will, will there be lasagna? Yeah. Will there be lasagna in the in the antebellum? Which will is the Confederate a, which, calendar have Monday? Uh, oh, great question, great question. Um, I don't know because um, the person who suggested to me the Confederate calendar, um, uh, we're not talking at the moment because okay. um, because I sent them um, an Uber uh, share fare request, which they ignored. Oh. So <laughs> I'm yeah. So we're not talk. We're not talking right now. It's self care. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I've got to just you know get rid of this, the toxic people from my life. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I imagine that both of you are absolutely. Oh yeah, what I was going to say was like the the figure he most makes me think of is uh, James um, is James McAfee. That's like. Oh. That's who. That's who he is for me. I think like yeah. putting him alongside the. The divorce, the divorce dads of posting. I will say also um, like similarly, like a '90s tech guy. Who, yeah. it's like a very specific. I think it's. I think it's a sort of. I mean, I may be wrong. It's got out of his age, but it's like Gen X tech guy brain disease. I think is more accurate. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. But that's what might be wrong. I don't what, know how old Scott. That's what McAfee was as well. Yeah, yeah I'm saying. I yeah, think it's yeah. a similar sort of it's like. A, yeah. Really, really, really similar, and I think that Gen X have managed to avoid catching a lot of strays, which are. Um, which are theirs by rights, I yeah. think. I'm sure you're both absolutely. Sorry, Scott done. Adams is a is a boomer. I'm very sorry. <laughs> he's, oh, a, he's a very late I, boomer. He's 65. Is he? I yeah. absolutely thought he was a he's like, old old Gen X. He's like eight years off of being uh, official Gen Xer. And oh. for the, I apologize to all Gen there Xers. There you go. Please don't send me uh, long compound swear words that are less cool than you think they are. He's just—he's dealing with his own identity. Crisis. Please, please do not, please do not ask me what set I'm from. Please don't do that. <laughs> please don't do that. I don't know the answer. Uh, Zenny Jardin is knocking on my door right now. <laughs> she wants to know the set. She wants what to set know are the you set. From? What are you from? <laughs> <laughs> what set are you from? Open up. <laughs> so glad my partner's out of the house today so she doesn't hear me doing this I'm so, I'm so glad this is what I've centered my uh, centered my professional fortunes around um, yeah so I'm sure you're both absolutely gagging to uh, no, I mean he didn't say how he identified as black um, I'm assuming that what he's saying is before he was like a kind of public figure if anyone asked like because if you're just like if you do a comic for a paper, you can, mm. I guess, just say that you're black if you're not. I mm. guess. <clears throat> I, 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 I doubt he was like actually 
like trying to get his papers changed or emailing people saying he's black. I think it was probably a joke he was telling for years and years. I see. My guess. What the, he identified as black. He but identified like, as although black. Having, although, having, although having said that, that like, like that was definitely, because like if he was like part of the kind of anti-PC stuff, then he would have been familiar with like the concept of like kind of political blackness and so on and so forth, which was, um, which was like a kind of one of the, one of the, the demons of the anti-PC people in like the eighties mm-hmm. and nineties. So like maybe sure. that's what that was. I think it would be, um, I think it would be funnier if he was going around saying that he considers himself to be black. That <laughs> personally, I would find that I would find that funnier. Um, because people weren't asking him how or what he meant by this, but people were sure. saying why. And I think that's a fair question. <laughs> okay, I fair think, enough. Why I are you doing the this? basic questions? I, I, I mean, it's journalism the, to ask. If the creator of Dilbert says, um, this is why for part, this is partly why for many years um, I, de- I identified as black. Um, partly why, partly why, as Matty correctly pointed out, a lot of weight lifting by that by that word partly and so a lot of people yeah were doing responsible citizen journalism and they wanted to know um what what were the what were the other reasons what were the other reasons would you like to know his reasons? i i am i'm, I'm literally just like on the edge of my seat a gog okay for a i'm faction. going to etch them into clay and, and mount it on my wall <laughs> Okay, so the first is for affection. That automatically makes me sad. I don't know what that that's a, means that's a bummer. in this context. For affection. Bummer. Scott Adams is such a bummer. What what for affection? Hurt people. <laughs> hurt. Hurt people, people. Hurt people. That's true. For the social and economic benefits. The the classic socially the, fame. the those mm-hmm. classic classic historically entrenched uh, economic and social benefits uh, where preferential treatment exists again bit of a load-bearing piece of phrasology mm-hmm. he's, he, this is a big i mean this is just reverse racism 101 shit right like yeah, yeah. it is it is a non-existent but, thing <laughs> but while we're predicting things what do you think his final matty already knows this so is not allowed to guess he's saying what do you think his, his final reason is just for like doing all his posts um for apparently going around saying that he's black oh okay um he wants to save a word oh you know what that's a really really good suggestion that's a great and guess that is, that is not what he went with interesting okay because usually when people say that it's because like they want to say it yeah, I mean that's yeah. probably part of it, but not something that he would admit. Yeah, yeah. But he admits everything else. He admit yeah. he admitted to shooting his stepson. Yeah, but there's <laughs> there are some I, things that you just don't say online. There's some, yeah, like even even a even a, a big dummy like him knows not to knows go around not to saying say, I, I should want be able to say to the word, say out loud. I should be able to say the word. You, you can't say that because he's not a tiresome, deliberately deliberately provocative Twitch streamer. That's right. He may be a lot of things, but he's not that. Mm. Um, mm. Okay. So his final piece of reasoning is, um, I like to be on a winning team. Okay. No further explanation right. or okay. elaboration of that. Um, 
I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. No, I guess, I mean, I have some ideas about what further. that means. I mean, obviously it's all sort of like rooted again in like just kind of racism. Um, I'd like to sort of think that like he thinks that he could be a basketball player, but I don't know. Like, yeah, th- there's a couple things here where it's like one, he's clearly like, it is this weird thing where he's, is admitting that, uh, I guess the race war is coming and that white people are going to lose, which <laughs> great, I guess. Uh, but the other thing, it's very reminiscent of like, you know, like early two thousands, like South park shit. Where it's like, you know, the affirmative action is giving, uh, you know, non-whites uh, too much of an advantage, mm. you know, and like I identify as black now because it'll get me a job. <laughs> I, yeah, I once, I once got, I once got told by um, a younger person that um, they weren't gonna. They'd, they'd failed they'd failed to get into a university of their choice and they weren't gonna reapply they said they were going to reapply to American universities but even then they were they were worried that they won't get in that they wouldn't get in because they're not black and I said I what where did you where did you pick this idea up and and he was like oh yeah like the teachers at school will say it and I was like I I don't think this can possibly be true that your teachers are saying this to you but if they are did it never occur to you to think how likely is this is this is this really a likely a likely state state of affairs um <laughs> excuse me um thank you um yeah is this really a likely state of affairs um and he sort of said well you you, you know like um You've got to have you've got to have something uh something to say to say that you know to to make you to make you uh make you look like you're not make you look like you're 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 marginalized and I said no you don't and he was just like oh but and I was like I I, I promise you don't <laughs> I promise if you're, that's if you're not... trying to stand out to get into college have you tried to get in good grades yeah or or whatever whatever yeah doing yeah. something interesting with Take your life instead of, instead of whining. Um, but then it like suddenly occurred to me, like um, if they are like kind of putting more sort of like putting more um, onus on like personal statements and like stuff outside of um, stuff outside of school or whatever, I was suddenly like, just like for like a very, very brief moment, I was like, Oh my God, is this like when our like parents generation suggest, you know, if you want to get a job, you go around there and you uh, insist on seeing on seeing the head of HR and you mm. go around there with your CV and you don't leave. You refuse to leave until you put your CV in the head of HR's hand and you're like going, no, that's not right. That's not <laughs> how it is anymore. Like, shut up. Stop giving me advice. And I was like, what if, don't be ridiculous, this is not how it is, is actually um, the kind of millennial misunderstanding of the teenage experience. But I was like, no, because that, that's just, that's it's still that's still mad i think that's still mad and still stupid but like something is cutting through with these kids which i think should probably be addressed by somebody who's not me <laughs> that's my that's my suggestion i've just realized somebody should do something about somebody, all this racism somebody needs somebody. to do something about this because i 
genuinely don't know what. Nobody's talking about this. Is the answer. I feel like um, I feel like anti-racism HR trainings are really not. They're really not. They're really not bringing their muscles to this to this fight shall we say <laughs> and that seems to be the only thing that is on offer as suggestions like do you want another the, the, training the problem with the trainings is they go in and it's all white people like scott adams identifying as black as a joke and yeah that's the, the that, company's that, hands are tied because they can't that's, fire that's somebody the, that's the issue that's racism <laughs> to do it i think that scott adams and his ex-wife are involved in a in some kind of facebook multi-level marketing thing or, I mean, like, wasn't like, oh, he... She's his wife, she's his assistant. Like, I think they're mm. just doing Herbalife. Wasn't he actually, like, involved in some multi-level marketing stuff? I vaguely sort of remember. I didn't know if it was, like, crypto-related or something else. But I, I vaguely remember him sort of being some... But it could just be someone else in that circle. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was actually yeah. involved. It's, it's honestly kind of shocking he never had, like, an NFT thing going. Mm. I don't think, to, to my knowledge. I mean, he might have, uh, uh, but I don't think he did, which is uh, crazy. Because mm, it feels he like exactly the sort about of... them. Yeah, I agree. No, no, he was. He was. Oh, he was? There okay. Is a... No, because no, there, there, was, there was the Dilbert, there was the Dilbert NFT collection. And, oh, yeah, there was. Um, yeah. I, I will read out the post. Um, yeah, because he launched it in 2021, introducing Dilbert NFTs. Once, one nice, one naughty. Which one will go for auction? Let's find out. Um, and then Naughty, says, Di- wait, hold those- on. Naughty Dilbert is mine. <laughs> my creation is sexy Dilbert. Get out I of have, here. I have some philosophical issues with the idea that a Naughty Dilbert can be like, can exist. Um, but I got some we'll drawings say, to show you. We'll, we'll say, we'll okay. say that we'll say that for the next time you come on. But he follows this up by saying, for those who wonder, NFTs are digital art that is, uh, that is collectible because of the original is registered on the blockchain. Yes, anyone can copy digital art, but you can't copy its entry on the blockchain, which makes it collectible. Does that make rational sense? No. Which I think is just very funny. Like he just doesn't, he, he knows that this is bullshit, mm. but I think it's just like, well, again, because he's trapped in the deal, he is trapped in his own creation. Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is instructive because in 1995, <laughs> if NFTs existed, there would have been a Dilbert arc about how mm. the company has to start doing crypto and how it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, but now instead, Scott Adams just uh, posts about how it's stupid and then tries to sell you an NFT. Right. <laughs> he's trapped. He's trapped in his own creation. And like, yeah. he's hoping that posting will set him free. And it's not, it's not going to happen, man. Just like, sad to say yeah. that. He's uh, the ejector plug on his Dilbert Eva won't function. <laughs> he's like pressing the brakes. The like cables in, yeah. have been cut. All he yeah. can do is they've post. merged. All he can do is post. Um, I, okay, so I have just observed that we have been talking about um, Scott Adams and theorizing about why he's like that for um, for an hour. Which is <laughs> fine. It's, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Mm. Um, my suggestion is is that we talk to Matty about their book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and then um, because Matty, I really, really, really would like to talk to you about um, about like the kind of the web, the, like, the web comic communities of yeah. like the early noughts and the tens and so on. But I think that might have to just be like another <laughs> another episode. Yeah, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. OK, so I think that's enough 
that's an hour of Scott Adams, and that's honestly that's more than more than enough. <laughs> Even episode for- of our show, the Scott Adams Hour. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> like like even for even for Scott Adams completists and loyal members of the Scott Adams Defense League as as we are um uh, I think that's I think that's enough. I think that'll do. I think that'll do on the Scott Adams front. Um I really just want to talk to Matty about their book which is out hmm. in out in June and um first of all uh tell us what it's about. How long have you been working on it? Are you excited are you scared tell us your tell us your tell us your thoughts and feelings okay so this all started when i I shot my stepson by accident (laughs) (laughs) um and started showing people photos of my abs online to win arguments no i um so this book boys weekend is uh, i got the idea for it when i was it was right after i'd came come out trans to my friends from college i went on a bachelor party weekend um with my actual uh, guy friends from college who are lovely people. And this was right after I came out and it was nothing like the book, but it gave me this sort of idea um, that is about a, a trans feminine person who goes on a bachelor party weekend and has to be their college uh, best friend's best man. Uh, mm. And they go, it takes place in like the very near future. And they go to a sort of like libertarian Las Vegas uh, in mm-hmm. international waters. Um, that's like a very anything goes kind of place. Um, <clears throat> and then it sort of starts to become apparent to our main character that uh, there's uh, something strange going on on the island. Um, and the story starts from there. Um, so I started working on it in like mid 2020. I had the idea. Uh, and then by early 2021, I had sold the book and I started working on it and I finished it uh, about this time last year and it'll be out very, very soon. And it's my first like full length graphic novel by just me. Um, and I'm really, ex- I don't know, I'm really excited for it to be out there. Um, I think it's good. Early feedback has been nice. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm still getting into like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever, shut I'm up. still getting into like pitch woman mode. You know, it's like, I don't know how yeah. to like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I gave you the elevator pitch. Uh, it's a good book. You should buy it. Go to boysweekend.biz. You can pre-order yeah. it from you your local bookstore. You can afford that. it. You can get it from your library. Yeah, get, it, get multiple copies. Give it to all your boys. Go out for a weekend. Go read the book. Talk Run about it. it. Yeah, good. It'll good be book a dis- club material. <laughs> perfect. It was perfect uh, reading material for your boys' weekend book club. <laughs> um, no, I'm. Look- I mean, I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm looking forward to. I actually have placed an order for it. Like as we were recording, so I am now on that pre-order list. Uh, and I'm looking for. Yeah. I am looking forward to reading it. Um, but yeah, I guess like, cause we wanted to talk a bit about like web comics as well. Right. And just like mm-hmm. where I think we spoke about a little bit of it. Well, last time you were on again, um, and yeah. you sort of talked talk to us a bit about like the precarity of kind of being a kind of web comic artist and sort of how, uh, like on an economic level, sort of like how difficult that can be if you're sort of like quite a serious artist. Um, and yeah, I sort of, I guess we were sort of wondering, I don't know, like Phoebe, if you had like kind of more specific questions, I guess maybe to kick us off. Um, I wondered whether you could sort of talk to us about just like even the process of kind of pitching a like a kind of comic book, right? I don't know if that's even the, the right term for a graphic novel. I don't know yeah. even what the right term for it is because again, all I read is manga. Um, sure. You know, and that's high literature in, uh, in, in, 
in in my circles. So could you like talk to us just a bit about like the book publishing, like uh, or like how comics are sort of received in the world of like book publishing, how that sort of differs yeah. maybe from other types of books and like the economics around that as well. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting time right now because there is sort of like a graphic novel boom. Uh, I don't know if there's like a million being sold right now in terms of like pitches being accepted, but certainly in the last five, 10 years, there's been a lot more graphic novels out there by major publishers in the States. Um, it started by like a huge boom in like YA graphic novels, which is still ongoing. There's a lot of those out there. Um, and I think what is happening now is, I mean, hopefully uh, those YA readers are growing up and still reading comics is the hope. Um, so like uh, the idea, I hope, is that uh, adult books start to sell a little more. Um, but I think last year was like the best year for selling print comics in like a, le- a long, long time, um, mostly driven by the sales of graphic novels and manga, um, which is, you know, it's really hard to discount. You go to the you go to the library, you go to the Barnes and Noble in America and you go to the comic section, a lot of manga. And it's mm-hmm. important to sort of like take that as part of the market. Um, but um, yeah, so like the, the process for for me was I, I was uh, very lucky in that I had an agent already from a, a book, a humor book I wrote a long time ago. Um, so I worked with her to get a pitch together and the sort of, you know, it's still the publishing model is not great for everybody. Uh, like if you're trying to get a prose novel published, it stinks, especially for your debut. You have to like write the whole thing for free. Mm. Um, a lot of the time, yeah, I'm, if you I'm are not aware. a famous person already. Um, yeah yeah no you have to not just write the whole thing for free you gotta write and then rewrite it and then rewrite it until your agent is happy with it um and because once because once upon a time um commissioning editors bought bought books based on the um, based on their potential and then you would rewrite it with your editor now it basically has to be in a state of near complete like near yeah. kind of ready to publish completion yeah and that's for, if you're lucky uh, enough to have a commissioning editor you know? <laughs> yeah, before a commissioning editor even sees it you've got to write the whole book before yeah. you can get an agent that's right um it's uh not a great system and it's even a worse system i think in comics because they are so much work mm. um like on a really good day i can draw one page of a book yeah. um they take a long time it's like in the same way that like animation is much harder than uh shooting a traditional movie it's just more expensive it takes longer there's more steps whatever um but it's sort of like you know if you're drawing a full graphic novel by yourself it is like you got to write the script you got to design all the characters you got to design uh what everything else looks like the backgrounds the props you know everything clothes whatever you got to do all the lighting yourself you got to do everything on you got to do all the expressions yourself it's all it's a lot of stuff in there that um a comic artist has to do so it's much longer so like the traditional publishing model is not great and um again i'm lucky that i'm in a position where i was a professional artist already and i could take a month off to work on a pitch and just minimize my freelance work for a couple of weeks to get this pitch together and then i had enough income to like work while the advance came through um you know and i'm I'm happy that I found the publisher that I did. Uh, they've been great, but it is, you know, the something about the model is not particularly good, uh, mm-hmm. but there's no other way really to get mass market graphic novels made right now. And I'm not sure what the solution is. 
Are there mm. um are there like significant um significant pushes to people uh sort of making their own stuff and kind of ma- and and putting it online and then oh, yeah. assuming that that's going to be enough of a pitch to go down a more kind of traditional route like it like it sort of was the case in the kind of early aughts. we're going to have another episode where we talk like in more detail about the about webcomic communities of the early noughts and, and sort of 2010s um but just in a kind of a, like is that one of those is that one of those um one of those situations where that sounds like a kind of really good way of doing it but it also comes with its own with its own bullshit and its own bad stuff or is that yeah too i mean there's, there's a, certainly, is that too large yeah. a question no there's there's certainly i mean there's a couple of routes here where there's there's plenty of people and you know, i'm not like an expert expert on this i just do it uh but like you know um like i'm not a publisher i'm just an artist but the there's there's tons of people that have uh serialized work online and it's gotten picked up by a publisher you could i mean there's always ways having crowdfunding comics collections is a very old thing now like it's been going on for like 15 years maybe more mm-hmm. um like since the advent of kickstarter it was a big difference in terms of like getting books made like you know there's entire publishers like uh iron circus whose main the way that they mainly publish is through Kickstarter and it works really well and they make a lot of money and they have a lot of books coming out all the time and the books are very well made and they are well received by critics. Like it's a publisher that does really great stuff um, that is mostly crowdfunded. I think they, you know, just publish some books, but at most, a lot of their books, they just do pre-orders to Kickstarter and that seems like a really good way to do it. If you're, mm. you know, and there's an ecosystem out there for distributing comics already. That is, uh, once you're set up there, your book's in the store and it works just as well. But mm. with that kind of publishing, the it is more, the advances are smaller uh, and the page rate is lower, but you have a bigger share of um, sales generally. Mm. You know, I, I put out a book with a small publisher in San Francisco called Silver Sprocket. Uh, they were great to work with. Their books are amazing. They have like a store in San Francisco and they also publish books. Uh, and it was a much better, you know, like the advance was much, much smaller than a traditional publisher, but I was making 50% of sales were going to me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, okay. it's a much different sort of like... Yeah, that is different. Yeah, I mean, it's like a punkier model, right? Like it's, you're gonna... It is it is a higher risk, but also like if the book does really well, then you make a lot of money and, you know... um it's sort of just like what kind of, and also like traditional publishers are looking for different kinds of books and they're looking for different kinds of editorial control. And um, it's just sort of like pick your poison when it comes to publishing comics, like anything else. Um, I have two, I have two questions. Uh, one of them is, does, have you found or have you observed people making their own stuff and putting it online for free and kind of finding the audience that way? Has that had the effect of, uh, say, depressing advances that you would get through traditional publishing because you're sort of you're kind of un you're sort of untested, um, so that kind of devalues the work of, um, of of the artists. I mean, I don't know if that I don't know if that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think so necessarily. I think it's sort of like the value is depressed by the way that the system is set up that you have to do so much work for free in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and that comics do take so long and that book prices are adjusted for inflation, like very down, like the cheapest they've been in a long time. 
Mm. Uh, like a book that costs, you know, $25 now should really cost like 40. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, like, so, and you know, you, and I, and I think it's the, it's depressed because the publishers are putting the squeeze on everybody who isn't famous. Mm. Um, it's very easy to get a big book deal if you are famous already, because mm. you know, what they want to do is they want to make money. And if you're have a big name, they can put on the book. You're, you know, they'll put it. I went, I was at an airport last weekend. And I saw a wall that was just Prince Harry's book, the entire mm. wall. And it's like, well, there's not a lot of space for and, people. And his drawings are shit. And his drawings, his drafting, <laughs> his drafting is not there. Just <clears throat> really, yeah, yeah, really sloppy. It, <laughs> He's a sloppy draftsman. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but like, you know, the draw, the the renderings of his uh, frostbitten penis were just sort of illegible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think it's like. I don't. I don't think people putting their work online for free is necessarily de- depressing the value of things. It certainly, I think, sets an expectation in readers that comics should be free to read. Mm. Which I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't mean like de- like depressing the value. I meant just like are, are people finding that like advances are low and that kind of thing because yeah. the like the hope and expectation is that people, um, is that people will be like offering up kind of tests subjects for free yeah, i mean i think i think advances are not great because everybody is uh getting squeezed everywhere on every level on every front with every business on uh, earth right now <laughs> you know i, I was at uh, the my um actually that was going to be question one b about um about whether or not this has um created a, a kind of entitled expectation in the audience of comics so you've already answered that so i mean uh, i think yeah. i mean it's yes, also like yes, i don't think the <laughs> I mean, I think comics should be free to read in the way that I think everything should be free to read in the way that I think everything should be free generally. Yeah, uh, agreed. But, um, you know, that's what libraries are for. Yeah, um, I mean, the, yeah, I, this is this is the thing. I think that like I think that art should be free to consume, but I don't think that should mean that artists do not get paid. That's right. And because of the system that we are operating in, there is a significant tension between those two the between those two between those two things literally like every single episode that we've done recently which is about like what effect online has had on like artists trying to make art um, and trying to be paid reasonably for art for their art it always starts out as a kind of look i know that you think that this is like bullshit and who cares but also please just think of it as a labor issue it's all a lay it yeah. is all <laughs> yeah and a I labor think- issue <laughs> Right. And it's the sort of thing where like I've had people at conventions and things balk at the prices of things like books when they're like big, nice books that cost a lot to print. And they'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, 30 bucks for a book. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and it's the sort of thing where it's like, well, I made less than minimum wage making this. Yeah. Uh, and that's the lowest yeah. price I can do to make to cover my trip to this uh, fucking convention. So like, I don't know. Yeah. What, like, they're, you know, and it's um, and yeah, the expectation isn't great and not everybody should it's not everybody else's fault especially in america where there's like no funding for the arts at all Mm. like as shit as everywhere else is uh at least you could sometimes call the government and they'll give you 500 bucks or whatever you can't (laughs) even get you can't even get (laughs) not not anymore not anymore maybe not but like you know once upon a time you could you could you could even like but now you have to um you have to basically have been like if you've like if you if you went to if you went to uni from with like a kind of junior cabinet minister and you've got like this really fun little art project really fun little Mm. art project you can probably get some money 
um some money mm. for that um but if you're just like you know if you're just like you know some dickhead with a book no, no way okay <clears throat> yeah i mean the other consideration here is like healthcare uh is which is, like which is which is so which is so which is so significant it makes it makes it makes the situation very very yeah. very um precarious here you know I had, like i i was gonna say i had like a little because when you mentioned like labor issue stuff one of the things that i was really interested in finding out more because i don't know much about like the comics industry in and of itself but from like kind of romantic descriptions of it from i guess like uh yeah, the idea that like, you know, you sort of used to have or um, where you sort of had like your inkers and you'd have your like letterers and then you'd also have like kind of the chain of which like a comic book is produced involve like multiple people and like various agencies and perhaps they were sort of attached to unions and like, um, and it's not to say that this like field was ever sort of like really, really well paid, but at least it sort of felt more secure and felt much more you could kind of understand it much more in terms of like a labor practice and i wonder whether as that type of infrastructure has um dismantled and where like unless you are sort of working for a big kind of comics publisher that is probably making money from external products and not really comics um you know you end up in a situation where like independent artists like yourself have to sort of do everything doing it on like very sort of like threadbare budgets and also freelancing at the same time but then when you're sort of selling this book, like people don't necessarily understand, but like, no, actually it takes a lot of work to kind of like put this out. And, you know, in, in a very similar way, like with every sort of like being, you know, every single sort of like creative output, I think there is this sort of tendency or, you know, you can sort of run into this problem of like people not really understanding that like, no, these things that seem and look very easy to do um, and are sort of present and have been presented for a long time as being like, these disposable things. And I'd be interested also just like as, as my like part, like, you know, my part B question about web comics and whether that sort of like fed into this idea that comics uh, in and of themselves are sort of these disposable things. Right. And in the same way yeah. that like, and because they are sort of, and you know, and it's not just kind of like the kind of constant reproduction and the remixing of it, but just the idea that they sort of exist on the internet is enough to kind of have this like, like for people to kind of get this idea but no these are like easy to produce things that are like you know you just sort of look at them laugh and sort of move on why the hell would i pay like 30 dollars or 30 pounds for like a collection of these right so in in terms of the first question in terms of like the old assembly line process i think it's important to make a distinction here where comics are a medium and not a genre um there's like when you say the word comics it can mean so many yeah, things yeah yeah sorry i um, apologize no no, no 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 it's, this is not uh uh, I'm not like correcting you. I'm just saying like it can mean a lot there and like the sort of Marvel's DC and then all the other ones that were much like Marvel and DC that don't exist anymore. Your EC your uh, whatever wild the wild storm still around anyways, but like all the, all the comic publishers that are like them um, always ran on worker exploitation always. Uh, mm. And I mean, what industry does not uh, comics did like anything else. Um, and like any other entertainment industry, it had the sort of, sell of oh you're doing your dream job you don't have to make money we don't have to treat you well ah, whatever yeah and that one that little i think also that little, that know, little trick <laughs> and also with comics like everything flowed to the top in such a way where you know you'll watch movies today um and it will be based on characters made by people that died in poverty anonymously um and 
never made a cent from their work in the way that they should have. And these movies are making a billion dollars. Like it is such an insane gap. Um, I mean, there's like, and, and the way that like comics have been treated as disposable, that's always been true, especially in America. Uh, the, the medium does not get a lot of respect. There's actually a great, oh, I wish, see, this is part of the problem. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a, a comic I saw by a guy. Um, and it was, it was, he had, he had drawn the original panel that Roy Lichtenstein used for one of his paintings mm. uh, of like an old war comic. And it's about this guy going to the gallery and seeing this Lichtenstein painting. And this guy is on food stamps. And mm. why is the Lichtenstein piece worth millions? And this guy is worth nothing. The guy who drew the, the picture in the first place. Right. Mm. And, oh, it's like, oh, Lichtenstein, like put it in new context. It's like, well, the context was the comics aren't art. And this one guy said, well, they're like, you know, American mythology or whatever the hell. Um, so I, I think it's the sort of thing where it's always been disposable. And yeah. the Internet has done the thing that it's done to basically everything, which is just taken the existing precarities, uh, problems, mm. uh, good things about life. And it's just it's cranked everything up to 20 out of 10. Right. Like all the problems that already existed with publishing, all the problems that already existed with comics, all the problems that already existed with, I don't know, social issues. Like it's all there, but we're all hearing each other all the time. So it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know about the, the idea that the disposability is a new phenomenon, but um, certainly it is treated as more disposable than ever with stuff that is posted online. Um, I think I've talked about this before, maybe on this show, but just like the idea that I can post something that took me a day to draw and someone calls it a meme drives me absolutely out of my fucking gourd. We yeah. did we did talk about <laughs> um, this and, and I um and honestly I think like it it just it, it definitely bears repeating. Yeah, and I know I'm an old lady on this, but like it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Lady, it is a, it, no, you're, you're you're not an old lady at all because again, it's a yeah. it was last week we talked to um Amber about um Amber Rollo about yeah. um about joke theft. Mm. Um and how people don't think joke theft is like a big deal, but mm. if comedians are obliged to put their work online for free and uh whether or not they're getting booked again or whether or not they're getting writing jobs or, or what whatever is like predicated on like these on on their material and people are stealing their material and just like passing it off as their own then it yeah it is it it, it is a, it is a labor issue and it's i i would be so interested to know because i know what the what the issues are with the idea of a kind of universal basic income i am aware of these i'm aware of these issues but honestly, I can't think of a way that people can consume the things that they have the right to consume for free. Because I think that I think that being able to consume art for free is just is so 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 important. Um, yeah. I think it's essential. I think it's essential for a functioning for a functioning um, body politic. It is absolutely no coincidence that. Um, that every single, even kind of remotely so, uh, remotely successful socialist country, the absolute first thing they do is arts programs, literacy, uh, like that's like it's 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 a cornerstone of of human of human existence. You gotta be able to, you gotta be able to read, you gotta be able to write if that's what you want to do. You gotta be able to, you gotta be able to paint, you gotta be able to look at, you gotta be able to listen to music. All of it, it's it it should be it should be made available, but it is an obscenity if the only people who can afford to do it are already rich because then you are because then you are uh creating a kind of monoculture by proxy which is like i mean these are not new points and i highly doubt that anyone who listens to the show would disagree with it 
but given <clears> all the issues with a universal basic income i would i would love to know what the like how you can how you can make sure that artists are able to yeah. able to live on yeah. the art that they make there's no particular reason why someone can 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 live as um like a marketing strategist but cannot as a writer like that's not there's no particular reason why that should be the case that's just yeah. how things have kind of shaken down mm. Sorry, um, i've just been passed a note that says that art and commerce are fundamentally incompatible <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah ah okay yeah, it's, okay I'm just, it's the first um, time i'm hearing about this ah okay well you know what mm. that's that sounds fake to me yeah okay I mean, I, that sounds like, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly mean, this is something the state could help out with. Um, I think it's also uh, it could be uh, an axis on which some organizing is done. I actually saw I wish I'd done more research before I came on because I just saw it like last night when I was scrolling around. But there is I saw uh, a thing called the Cartoonists Collective, I believe is what it was called. That was a bunch of uh, very talented cartoonists I saw uh, that was like sort of getting together a network for. Uh, helping do promotion for each other and organizing around this stuff and also like doing a having like a catalog of each other's work that it's easily searchable to help like reader like cross pollinate their readers and stuff. I think it's really smart if we start thinking about this as a community and doing sort of like there's I mean, it's the sort of like we could despair, we can organize kind of thing. And just I think it's important that if you are an artist, you want to be an artist, if you like art, uh sort of like picking something to organize around here, whether it is mm. more arts funding, uh, basic income, healthcare, literal collectives of artists making things. Um, I don't know. There's, there's lots that can be done and it's not just like, oh, we're, you know, circling the drain, which mm. is easy to think. Um, yeah. But there's a lot For of people sure. making really good stuff out there. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's important that people try to, just yeah, like pick something that you can work on that is that is near and dear to you with this. Mm. Yeah, I have like one more, just like really mm. small question, and then um, we can wrap up. Very aware we're we're running we're running quite close, um, quite close to time, and we've uh, we've taken up more of your time than. Uh, <laughs> I'd be just I'd just be thinking I'd just be sitting at home saying this stuff about Scott Adams into a mirror. So this is like <laughs> I'm happy to I'm happy to do it for the show. Okay, well, yeah. that's extremely generous of you. You're always very generous with your time, which we very much appreciate. Yeah, the fi the final one is um, there is definitely a serious division between, um, in terms of like how uh, both like particularly like crit the critical industry sees you as a writer between self publishing and traditional publishing. Like, there's a, like it's like if you tell somebody who works in uh, the literature industry, so in, so in publishing, in, in criticism, et cetera, if you tell them that you are a self-published writer, uh, you, like, you honestly may as well tell them that you, that you think that, um, that four and a half million years ago, um, aliens, uh, aliens came, came down uh, from the sky and uh, they constructed some stuff. They invented mammoths, and then they fucked off again. Um, like that's like you may as well say that to them because that's what they that's what that sounds like in their head. It, you sound like yeah. you sound like a peculiar wacko. <clears throat> um, and those and those kind of boundaries seem to be kind of crumbling a little bit because like lots and lots of writers have like um, well like what are functionally paid 
blogs. I mean, I have one which I will be discussing at discussing at at the end. Um, I um, I'm I'm writing some short fiction to put on it because it makes more sense to sell short fiction directly to exist an existing mm-hmm. audience than it does to attempt to have something published through a journal because that's basically a waste of my time. It's a waste of my time, and it's not um it's not respectful to the time and energy that it takes to write um to write short fiction yeah um but i wouldn't call that self-publishing and also you can't you can't you're you're not going to build an audience unless you already have an audience it's a kind of it's a sort of self-fulfilling thing so is there a similar kind of oh you put your comics online oh that's Mm. cute that's cute i've got a i've got a three book deal with so and so so is there that kind of vibe as well or is yeah, that like so i got I, yeah so two things two thoughts the first thought is stupid and i'll say it first which is uh right. with regards to saying that you believe in ancient aliens i'll say to that jack kirby the father of comics uh did so is you that read, true uh, if you i mean i don't know if he believed in it believed in it but uh, he definitely did the eternals after reading chariots of the gods which is very funny um it's like I didn't, the same I didn't shit. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. It's very funny. Um, Although maybe I somewhere knew it yeah, because otherwise king. it's quite a strange coincidence. Yeah, I don't know if he believed in it because uh, whatever. But he was <laughs> the Eternals is basically chariot to the gods, which is very funny <laughs> to me. Um, so to the second part, I will say again in terms of like what are comics, and I think if you are in the indie comics world, like which is where I'm coming from, and not the superhero or manga world, I think it is it has been treated like such shit for so long that saying that I am self-published to an indie comics reader is um, neutral to good. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I don't know if it is good for making a living, but it is fine in the eyes of an audience or even the critics. Um, And uh, kind of expected at least for the first, you know, you're at any point in your career, you could put something out yourself. Like I could, you know, if I, like I, you know, I know very, many published comic authors who have, you know, book deals with whoever who put out, you know, self-published zines all the time. Cause it's just sort of like part of the DNA of alt comics. Um, mm. That's it. And, and the, in the terms of like being snooty about web comics, that was definitely like a 2005 problem um, yeah. where the Scott Adams of the world would be very snooty about web comics. Um, not all the comic artists at the time were like that. Uh, I think trying to remember some stories from back then, but I'm pretty sure Bill Amon, the guy who does Foxtrot was always cool about web comics and thought they were like the future. And he was, you know, right. Um, mm-hmm. on that front, but like, you know, um, I think people are not snooty about it in the way they used to be. I think, um, you're not going to get coverage of your web comic in the New Yorker. Um, but that's also not super important for getting readers to your web comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is sort of like what ecosystem of comics are you trying to live in? Um, and there's like no, I don't think most readers of comics um, see much shame in uh, indies or self-publishing in the same way that it does with literature. Um, which is again, I think changing in literature, but um, still I think in, I think with comics and especially indie comics, it's, it's sort of like, the badge of pride to be with a small press or, mm. you know, like I'm still not, you know, I've been doing, I just finished, I have a book coming out with, with Pantheon. I'm doing another book for them. 
but it's not the end of my days publishing smaller presses. It's not the end of me folding and stapling zines in my house. Um, I'll probably be doing that forever, you know? Okay. That's, no, I like that. That's good. Yeah. I think that's a good, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. I'm not personally going to staple anything in, in my house. I feel like it's a slightly different. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like, well, I've got the <laughs> big stapler that. that you need. I've got. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. I've got, like, this, yeah, I've got a bone folder I'm right gonna, here. Yeah, I'm going to need that back. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and f- that's the thing that you recommended to me when I was throwing a tantrum about how I can't fold pieces of paper. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it does. It does change your life because I it like I, I've been like I do like book binding every so often as like my non-online yeah. hobby. And I bought myself like a very nice bone folder and it does feel very good. Also learning how to like stitch pages together. That's also oh. like very therapeutic. Um, I am working. That sounds great. I really like this view. We should do a collab where I do a one-off comic that there's only one copy of that you make. Oh yeah, and I can like make a really nice hardcover of it. I'm working on for a million dollars, like the Wu Tang Clan. I'm I'm working on something for one of our mutual friends. I will not say who, but um, I imagine will be obvious to uh, people within the inner circle. Um, And it uh, it has involved me having to like source out a very kind of specific kind of um material to stitch some hardback in so uh more Human updates skin. of that oh, yeah exactly more, more updates of that if you're if you're in the inner circle of my instagram maybe in the next few weeks um but yeah no but like so i guess before we wrap up one thing just to bear in mind uh get yourself a bone folder just generally uh mm-hmm. yeah. it'll change your life it'll change your life in ways that you don't recognize this was, um, a, this was a gift from famed cartoonist molly brooks who gave this to me years and years oh. and years ago uh, the second, like support artists and support like people who make stuff because it's important. Uh, just generally not saying that you should support anyone. Specific. <laughs> just support us. That's all. And then like, and I guess like to really wrap it up and also just be like, oh, if you want to support an artist who's like producing something very cool, maybe you can uh, support Massey by uh, buying their book. Like I did literally while we were recording. Um, <laughs> Massey, if you want to like, uh, do you want to like plug your book or like anything else that uh, our listeners who want to support artists now because they want to be good people, uh, how, how can they do that? Um, yeah, I would say just like, uh, if there is an artist you like and they're selling something, uh, seek it out if you can afford it. Uh, and again, like literally, if you like an artist and they have a book out, uh, request it from the library if you don't want to buy it because the library is good. Uh, and great place to have uh, a boys weekend. It's a great place to have a boys weekend, but it's also like library requests count as sales. Like it's not like in there. I don't know what the calculus is, but they are good for book sales uh, to have library requests in. Um, if you like my work, if you want, if my book sounds interesting to you, you can go to boysweekend.biz, which is like a redirect to the Pantheon site, which has like all the places you can buy the book. You can also just ask your local bookshop to pre-order it for you if you are a person who likes to order things from your local bookshop. But it's also at all the other places, your Amazons, your Barnes and Nobels, et cetera. Yeah, go do that. I yep. think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good. Uh, thank you for listening to this free episode of uh, 10,000 Posts. We really appreciate it. We have lots of good bonus content on our Patreon. You can subscribe to that. Five bucks a month, uh, patreon.com forward slash 10K Post Podcast. It helps us to like do the show, make sure that everyone is like able to do it. Um, also, it means that we can do this show without ads, which is like really important to us because ads just suck generally. Um, so yeah, like all any support, like that's very, very welcome. And to people who are listening to this and already support us, thank you very, very much. And uh yeah, Phoebe, do you want to plug anything before we uh before we bounce out? Sure. Um uh, while we're supporting artists, um 
please subscribe to my very denuded Substack. I'm not going to apologize again for how little there is on it because I am. I have written myself a a, a schedule, which um, by the time this episode comes out, you will know whether or not I have managed to stick to my schedule. It's because like because because like at the moment with like I've got the I've got the two shows, I've got the mini, I've got the mini series, um, I've got the rewrites on my book, and I've got my other um freelance work and this is not supposed to be a kind of oh poor poor me goofy off into a microphone but it's more just like finding the time to write stuff which i'm like sufficiently happy with to go to um go on substack and which like which quite honestly that i don't feel like a dickhead asking for asking for money for because i want i want to be writing the best stuff that i can be writing Mm. Um and I don't want to take the piss out of my extremely nice and kind paid subscribers by just treating it like a notes app. So um yeah, uh look out look out for that. That's VBRoyalsubstack.com. Yeah. Well, the posts on there are uh, already listen- very good, so check that thank out you, if you don't already. Thank you very much, and uh yeah, listen to me and Milo Seinfeld podcast, which is Masters of Our Domain, which can be found in the usual podcasting places. Hmm. Uh, the show is produced mm. by Devon. Follow them at Devon underscore on Earth. Also listen to Kill James Bond if you don't already. That also has a Patreon. Sub- uh, support them. They're a lot of fun and they are very good too. Um, yeah, so on that note, we'll catch you on the next one. If you're a subscriber, we'll catch you on the bonus. If not, we'll catch you next week. Uh, but in either case, we will catch you at some point. Uh, that was not a threat. That's more just a, we can hang out sometime. I'm going to really we end. Will ca- no, we will, no, we will, we will catch you. We will, we will catch you. We will, we will, we will catch you. We will catch you. What set are you from? Yes, Hussein and Zeni Jardin are outside your window right now. What uh, set are you yeah, I will, I'll catch you. I'll stand outside your house and I will just shake my head because whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, I'm disagreeing with it. Uh, okay, on that note, let's close out. Uh, so we'll catch you later, whenever, um, maybe when you're sleeping. Uh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.